0: Section 17 of G. K. Chesterton's Newspaper Columns. The New Witness, 1921. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. G. K. Chesterton's Newspaper Columns. The New Witness, 1921. By G. K. Chesterton. Section 17. The Philosophy of Baby Worship. When I was in America, I met some extreme examples of a modern fad not peculiar to Americans. It may be called the cult of the infant phenomenon, of which Dickens made fun and about which psychologists made fusses. It seems there are certain tests by which we can tell intelligent from unintelligent people, which ought to make smooth our path in the old problem of creating a political oligarchy. And as the governing class would select the tests, and the tests would select the governing class, of course the whole process of argument would move with that majestic rotation or circularity, which some have made the symbol of eternity. Anyhow, the tests had apparently been applied to the children in some American school, with the result that one little girl was produced as an infant phenomenon, with a flourish fully worthy of Mr. Vincent Kreml's those working the new infallible machine by hooking the pulsometer on the piston-rod and reversing the carburetor with the monkey-wrench had discovered that the little girl was only six years old but had the powerful intellect of a child of twelve years old the only example of a test given and apparently one on which the whole discovery turned was that the child could be made to understand and even to employ the word annihilate when asked to say something demonstrating her full comprehensions, the happy infant offered the following polished aphorism. When common sense comes in, superstition is annihilated. In reply to which, by way of showing that I also am as intelligent as a child of twelve, and that there is no arrested development about me, I beg to offer the following model of the same diction, which also happens to be true. When psychological education comes in, common sense is annihilated for in the incident, as described in the newspaper, the mother and the schoolmistress and the journalist and everybody involved, official or unofficial, sat round with solemn and adoring faces, worshipping this child as if she were what anybody in his senses could possibly want a child to be. It never seemed to occur to anybody that we do not want a child of six to talk like a child of twelve, or a child of twelve to talk like a man of fifty, or even a man of fifty to talk like a fool. I do not see why we should not carry much further the principle of hoping that a little girl of six will grow a massive and mature brain. For instance, we might reasonably hope that a little boy of six will grow a magnificent and bushy beard. We have heard, in a flippant travesty of our youth, that white wings they never grow whiskers. But I am in no hurry for a little boy to grow and develop whiskers, any more than for him to die and develop wings. And this view is emphatically common sense, in being the common sentiment of men. Nevertheless, that little word superstition, which the little monster contrasted with common sense, has a hint of another truth conditioning this. What she would call superstition is as common as common sense, and generally coexists with common sense. But it is true that one sort of superstition is more favorable than another to this particular reverence for the childishness of a child. What is called progress commonly means the right to a change of mind without a change of heart. Its ideal is reform without repentance, but its achievement is change without reform. The peculiar test of it, however, is in this, that it never allows any old doctrine to benefit by any new discovery. Science destroys what it must destroy, but it does not restore what it ought to restore. It might first condemn Abraham for polygamy as being a barbarous survival. It might then go on to prove polygamy a progressive necessity, but it will not go back and apologize to Abraham. It will not see that its two new negatives make the old positive. Take in this educational context an example, too probable even to be called imaginary. If I say that I feel something severing my soul from the soul of a Jew, however much I respect him, some intense, intelligent Jew of the sort I respect will charge me with benighted bigotry in condemning men only for their creed. Then the same Jewish intellectual is very likely to go on, by way of tactfully changing the subject, to talk about psychoanalysis, let us say, or the importance of infantile education, the idea that first impressions make a soil of subconsciousness, and so on. But it never occurs to him to go back and apply his latest discovery to his first complaint. It never occurs to him to deduce from his infantile psychology that it did make a great deal of difference to us when we were infants that I was taught to imagine a divine infant and he was not. On his own scientific argument it must have made a very great deal of difference that he only came afterwards to hear that some strangers worshipped a divine child, and that he accepted them as he accepted others who worshipped a divine bull or a divine serpent. HE MAY NOT HAVE COME TO SCOFF AT THE BABY, HE MAY NOT HAVE COME TO SCOFF AT THE BULL OR THE SERPENT. HE MAY BE AN IMAGINATIVE MAN, WITH A SYMPATHY FOR MANY SPIRITUAL PHASES. THE FACT REMAINS THAT HE WAS NOT BROUGHT UP TO TAKE THE HOLY FAMILY FOR GRANTED, AS I WAS. AND IT IS A FLAT CONTRADICTION OF ALL HIS OWN NEW PSYCHOLOGICAL THEORIES TO SAY THAT THE IMAGE OF THE HOLY FAMILY COULD HAVE NO INFLUENCE ON THE HUMAN FAMILY. IT IS NEEDLESS TO SAY that all our own history is made bewildering and meaningless in that fashion. We pile up the negative till we cannot number them or tell whether they are odd or even, or whether they amount to a positive or a negative. The king proved that the pope was wrong, and the squires proved that the king was wrong, and the merchants proved that the squires were wrong, and the workmen are now proving that the merchants were wrong. But to the mind, thus blindly going forward, it never occurs to work the same logical process backwards, to deduce from the admitted mistake of the merchants that there may have been something to be said for the squires, from the admitted mistake of the squires that there may have been something to be said for the king, or from the admitted mistake of the king that there may have been something to be said for the pope. It matters nothing, apparently, that we may only be making discoveries that have been made before, or only making mistakes that have been made before. We have fallen into the strange fallacy of supposing that we can go on perpetually contradicting ourselves without once agreeing with ourselves. But such is the limit of logic, and even of language, that we cannot go on saying yes and no alternately forever, without occasionally awaking memories of something that we have said before. This, however, is a historical parenthesis, and I only mention this curious habit of recantation without repentance, in connection with the particular case of the cult of childhood. Now, while the love of so laughable a thing as a baby is common enough among men of all races and religions, and nowhere more than among the Jews, except possibly among the Japs, I do think our own race and religion has a subtle and unique note about it not easily described. We do not like children only as we like puppies or kittens, because the young of every animal contrives to be at once graceful and grotesque. For us, children are not merely immature in the sense of incomplete. We have also an entirely transcendental feeling that they are more complete than we. That is the one paradox of Christ that could be understood even by a neo-pagan like Swinburne. For one thing, we not only feel pleasure in looking at children, we also recall a pleasure in being children, while few of us have ever had the pleasure of being kittens the pleasure is of a very positive and peculiar kind an innocence that is much more than experience we do not merely feel that the kitten has been enlarged into a cat but rather that the kingdom of heaven has been narrowed into the kingdom of earth we feel something purely spiritual that can only be called the authority of the child something which could only faintly express by some archaic symbolism of white thrones or silver crowns that the child is father to the man. Matthew Arnold did not often say a thoroughly silly thing, but he did when he criticized Wordsworth for talking of the wonderland of childhood, and objected that a man of thirty has a better appreciation of landscape, as of course he has in the sense of landscape gardening. But the white light which Wordsworth meant was not in the sky the child looked at, but in the child. He happened to be a country child but it was really only a geographical accident that it was meadow, grove, and stream, and not post, pavement, and policemen, that were apparelled in celestial light, the glory and freshness of a dream. Nor is it the mere memory of vigour and adventure, which really is stronger at sixteen than at six. It is quite a different sensation. And to this day I cannot see certain things, such as a white horse or wood painted white, without a pang of pleasure going through me, stronger than sex or the fear of death. And unlike sex and death, it does not concentrate. For an instant, like a lost lightning flash, it has spread over the whole world, full of too many wonders to be wondered at. Here enters the psychological educationist, with his subconsciousness and his first impressions, to remark shrewdly, This is because somebody in your childhood gave you a wooden horse or painted it white for you to which I reply respectfully, Yes, fool, yes. Admirable and astonishing idiot, quite so. But has it ever occurred to you to ask why a pot of paint and a piece of wood should blaze with divine beauty to anybody at any time? Or why they should do it to a child of four any more than to a man of forty? When you have retired for a few years to reflect on the point, we will resume this conversation. End of section 17.